Hello, welcome to The Crap and the Crazy. I am Tash Critter. I have two kids with additional needs, so we have a very neurodiverse household. Between us, we cover autism, ADHD, and PDA. Who knows what else, but there's the diagnosed ones. I have a background in teaching, so I've got a Bachelor of Education, Kindy Tier 7. While I was studying at uni, I worked with over 20 families with kids with additional needs, uh, most of them on the spectrum, but then we had other diagnoses as well. So I was actually going into the homes and seeing what this looked like behind the scenes. Sure enough, then I had my own kids with additional needs. I own and manage Little Wooden Toy Box, so I design all of the resources. I've been doing that for almost 10 years now. So we use these at home and they have been tried and tested by hundreds of other families as well. I also work as a volunteer on the Heroes Program. So this is a one-to-one -one care, um, so a fun event day for kids in the community with additional needs. With my own kids, I've spent over 10 years, almost 700 hours um, in early intervention with speeches, OTs, psychs, physios, the works. Um, and this has given me a unique insight into understanding behaviours of concern, why they occur, what we can do to manage that, tools and strategies that we can use at home, in the classroom, in the therapy room to help work with these kids and understand these kids. My goal is to design and implement resources and coping strategies to make home life calmer and more organized while also helping to educate and encourage parents that are on the same journey as I am. You know, that may be starting this journey as well, whereas I'm 10 years along. Join me as I talk through day-to-day -day life with autism, the sucky bits and the wins, and tips for enjoying life despite the challenges. Hello, and welcome to episode 20. In this one, I want to cover co-regulation, but I guess I want to take a few steps back to firstly understand our own as parents or as therapists or as teachers, our own sensory profile and how this impacts our emotions and therefore our behavior. And in doing that, how that helps us to understand and have empathy when dealing with our kids. Yeah. So co-regulation, uh, we refer to this when we're talking about so how I'm emotionally regulated and how I'm then interacting with my kid and how well they are regulated. Yeah. So we can either come together and butt heads because we're setting each other off. Um, as far as, so meal times are a good one for us. If I don't um, brace myself or make sure I'm well regulated, going and sitting down for a meal with my kids where there's all the chomping and the slurping, that's enough to just set me off. And then I can say something nasty or overreact, which then sets them off. And it's just a recipe for disaster. Does that make sense? So that that's co-regulation, a bad example, versus if I have taken time out, I'm prepared, I know meal time's coming, we've got a movie ready to go because for all of us that works really well. Um, that's how we come together at the end of the day because we don't do conversation, we don't do eye contact, that just doesn't work for our family. So we come together, watch a movie together and we make sure the volume is up and ready to go before the eating starts, yes? So um, something that you know, a constant reminder after I heard it, it just, you know, when you see something and it just clicks, um, we want our kids to join our calm rather than us being the bigger people that are supposed to know better, joining their chaos. Yeah. So we want to make sure that we're well regulated so that we can 
help teach our kids how to regulate themselves so that we can live together nicely. Yes, and whether this is at home or in the classroom, um, in the therapy room, and you're always going to, whether you realize it or not, you've got sensory preferences and things that you don't like, aversions, yeah? So things that you're attracted to and things that just make you your skin crawl. And once we begin to understand what these are, we can come become better regulated and help our kids to learn this as well so that they can become better regulated and that they can learn the tools and strategies that keep them well regulated rather than everything building up. So think of that iceberg model where the see the iceberg as the behavior on the top. So the bit that's sticking above the water is the behavior. That's the bit that you're seeing. But underneath, there is so much more going on. And when we learn to self-regulate, we... Um, we learn to manage ourselves and manage our emotions a bit better and therefore we're in a place to be able to manage our behavior yeah does this make sense i had a couple examples written down here so when i used to have um, my team of staff and then our reps australia wide this is back when we did the wooden toys so i would get every single person that came onto our team whether they were a staff member or whether they were a brand rep um, to do a disc profile, so a personality profile. And this allowed me to be able to relate to people and our team manager to be able to relate to people based on their personality. Um, it's a really good tool to use. So instead of guessing, particularly when you're spread all over Australia, you're all online and you don't get to spend that one-on-one -on -one time together like you would in a workplace. Um, it's a really good tool and strategy to use to get to know each other and a quick cheat sheet, I suppose, in how to relate to each other. Same as the love languages. If you haven't done that um, with your partner and you can also do it with your kids as well to learn their love languages, that's again, a really great way to learn how to interact with the people around you and so your love languages, you've got um, the gift of giving, affirmation, which is positive words. I can't remember all of them. Go look it up yourselves. But um, if you've got someone, so your child and your kids will be different as well. So how you relate to them and encourage them um, will be different or should be different because they are all built differently. Does that make sense? So if you've got a kid that feels so loved when you give them a little gift, whether it's a chocolate or just something special yeah doesn't have to be big but if you've got someone that responds well to a gift and you keep giving them positive words that's still good but it doesn't speak to their heart i suppose like a gift would so when you understand um what gets them going what motivates them what encourages them being your kid you want to do that for them yes so this is another way so in business, you've got your personality disc profiles in your home, you can use your love languages. Understanding sensory profiles is another way of doing this. Does that make sense? Can you see the where I was heading with that one? So when you understand that your kid, you know, in the morning, the worst thing you can do is look at them in the eyes and ask how they've slept. Yeah, because that's just not going to work for one kid. Whereas the other kid, they may love that interaction with you yes and it's learning that was probably a terrible example as far as sensory goes um it still is sensory but you know based on their sensory profiles okay let me start again so one of my kids is really just 
really slow to get going. The one that doesn't want to be looked in the eyes and have a conversation first thing in the morning. So I know to back off. What I can do for her to get her started is to make sure that she's got a bowl and spoon ready for breakfast. I can make her life a little bit easier um, and knowing that the cold milk for her is going to get her going. Yes, something crunchy will get her going as well. So these are all sensory things which when you look at your sensory profile, what gets you going, what helps you to calm down. Yeah, some people I guess most people need to get going in the morning. Coffee does it for me. I do not want to have a conversation with anyone before coffee. Yes, coffee first. So roll out of bed and I roll to, I roll, I walk to my coffee machine. Yes, and I get my coffee. That gets me going when I need a break throughout the day. So I've been at my desk for a couple of hours. I will get up, go get a coffee. It probably is the caffeine as well, but it's also getting up and having that sensory break. Um, that you know keeps me going for the next few hours under my desk i don't know how weird i've got my sensory issues um i have in winter there's a really big fluffy cat bed that i stick my feet in in summer i've got those um there's a video on my insta page of them they're balance bowl semicircles balance semicircles with all the oh, i am not explaining this well at all um you know like the masua masseuse shoes with the prong bits sticking up. It's a half bowl like that. And I've got two of them sitting under my desk, which I push on and I don't know, because I don't sit still very well. Yeah. So that for me is another sensory regulation tool. Um, coffee doesn't work for my kids. They are not interested in coffee and probably too young for coffee. I don't know what the recommended age to start that is, but I'll leave that for someone else to decide. For both my kids, if they've come home stressed from school, um, they will both go to the cats to start with. So for them, the cats are another sensory tool. Pets are such a great one. Um, so they'll go to the pets, but they'll often respond really well when they're ready. So this changes when they're teenagers too. I used to do it a lot more. I'm sure I did, or maybe just the timing's different now. Um, but the big squeezes, or I still sit on my child, um, they're big now, but the, the weight, so the weighted blankets, the weighted toys, just even on the couch at the end of the day, leaning on each other, just that extra weight. Um, so yeah, your tools and strategies do change with age. I will go through that in my next series. So covering those tools and strategies at home for under fives, between fives and teens, and then your teens. I also might as well point out as well, you can have all the tools and strategies in the world. You can understand all of this stuff and it, it just doesn't mean that it works from one day to the next. So you can have a really good run and you've got all these tools and you're all sorted and then they wake up on the wrong side of the bed or you wake up on the wrong side of the bed and the, the tools and strategies just don't work for you. This will also depend on what other environmental things are going around, whether you're going through high pressure, high stress stuff for you at work or the kids at school, particularly around NAPLAN. Um, that's always fun. So, you know, I guess it's, it's putting in that extra effort. It's knowing that when you understand these um, sensory tools and strategies and have a range of them and it takes trial and error and it can take years to build up a, a decent you know, set of tools and understanding why behaviors happen and looking for the triggers behind why the behaviors are happening. There's so much going on there. But once you build this up and understand this, 
you then have the option and the choice, and it is choice and it is work, to spend the time on yourself so it's not being selfish, spending the time on on yourself to regulate yourself well so that you're ready for when your kids come home from school or sport or whatever else, particularly on those harder days. And knowing when you've got harder days coming up, spending a little bit more extra time on yourself, making sure that you're well regulated so that you're in a good place to invite your kids into your calm instead of joining in their chaos when they get home, yeah? I really love this quote by Pam Lee. It says, either we spend time meeting children's emotional needs by filling their cup with love, or we spend time dealing with the behaviors from their unmet needs. Either way, we spend time. So I guess that was just one of those things as well that kind of got me and I've always remembered. It's Even when you can't be asked doing what you need to do to look after you right now or to do the extra to meet their sensory needs to then regulate their emotions to prevent the behaviors, taking the time to do that will often prevent those meltdowns that can go for hours later on, yeah? Um, One of my kids would come home from school and it was a little volcano and I've said this before in other podcasts choosing to this is a little bit different but I use sensory tools to do it so choosing to you know push a little bit set him off have that big explosion use all those sensory tools so I wasn't in a place where I was angry and causing him to explode I was in a place where I was calm I knew what he needed the night was going to play out the same way with a meltdown so we might as well have the meltdown now instead of you know, being on eggshells for three hours, then having the three hour meltdown. So that's six hours of your night gone. Does that make sense? So, you know, irritating a little bit to set off because it's going to happen anyway. And then having those tools, having the deep pressure, um, being calm, bringing him through it, and then being able to get on with your night. Does this make sense? I hope this helps someone. And look, there are days hours, minutes, where it doesn't matter how hard you try, things just don't go to plan or something unexpected comes. And that's where you've just got to pick the battles and roll with the punches. Um, I remember talking, I mean, I talk with Ish, our speechy, often about this and that that co-regulation. And there's some things that you, you just have to let go. As much as they irritate you and set you off, you as the adult are the bigger person and you have to let things go and ignoring it is often a good tactic. Particularly when your kid, um, you know, one of their sensory needs, whether it's smacking their lips or I don't know, something else irritating that makes your skin crawl. If they're not doing it to irritate you, if they're doing it to keep themselves calm, then you kind of got to let it go. And she told me that and I didn't want to hear it at all. But just in case someone out there needs to hear it, um, yeah, pick your battles. And there will be things that you are willing to compromise. There will be some things that you are just not willing to compromise. And I guess that's the joy of living in a family. Each person has their different sensory needs. But again, if you bother to stop and learn what your sensory preferences are and your sensory aversions as well as your kids you will find things that you can do together as a family and actually enjoy each other's company too whether that's going outside for 
a walk. And now, so for some of you with kids with runners, that'll be your worst nightmare. But for some families, that'll work where you can all enjoy the outdoors and maybe, um, you know, what we call parallel play. I don't know what you call it when you've got older kids and you're walking together, but it's kind of what we do. There's not so much interaction, but we can all go out and enjoy the activity together. Yeah. All right. I am going to leave it there. I hope that helps and I will talk to you next week. See ya.